Well, this is the week state tournament berths are on the line. Welcome in. Today is Tuesday, May 28th. This is the Rocktown Sports Pod by the Daily News Record. I'm Greg Medea, Jamie Football, beat writer at the paper and host of the pod. Joined alongside sports editor Jim Sacco and prep writer Cody Elliott to get today's episode going. Before we get into it, how are you guys? How was the long Memorial Day weekend? Oh, we worked, didn't we? Did you? <laughs> yeah. Did you? Oh, okay. It's, it is that time of year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we. I. It's like uh, there, I remember one time this news writer, one many years ago, lamented to me how you know she never had Memorial Day off, and well, she don't come around much these days anymore. Because I mean, I, I, I don't, as sports guys. Uh, you know, sports writers. I don't think I've had a Memorial Day off in 12 years. I can't imagine when you had one off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was when I was covering the Augusta County Schools, the Region Two Bs always start on Memorial Day. So I was, I spent a lot of Memorial Days in Greenville, and and yesterday I spent it in Shenandoah covering Page County. So yeah. it's like college football. The first weekend of college football is always Labor Day yeah. weekend, and it was a great crowd uh, though yesterday for Memorial Day. I mean, the, the Page County. I mean, that, the whole county must have came out to watch that game because they, they had the the hill filled and and the bleachers were full. It was it was a great crowd. I thought. And Central had a bunch of fans there too. I saw yeah. a lot of Falcons, uh, you know, attire out into the crowd. So uh, and I saw football coach Mike Yao was there I, as I well. Heard, I heard football coach Mike Yao <laughs> across, across the field. <laughs> uh, so that 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 was their day yesterday. We'll, we'll get to Page County baseball in a bit. Uh, but I want to start talking about this, and we'll get to the Harrisonburg Turks a little later on. We'll get to JMU softball season coming to an end a little later on. But I want to start with the team that's not playing anymore, Turner Ashby Baseball. We talked about them at length a couple weeks ago going into the Valley District Tournament. Is You know, they fixed it. They're TA. They'll, they'll roll through whatever they got to go through. And here we are. They're not playing anymore. Uh, knocked out. Yeah, and I tell you, this is where we all kind of got to look at Cody a little bit because if it was a couple webcasts ago, I believe he said, and you, I don't think he used the word dark horse, but he said the watch out for that Fort Defiance baseball team could do some stuff there in the postseason. And lo and behold, they did some stuff. And when you're in the Valley District and you're in the Region 3C, doing some stuff means ousting TA from the tournament and sending them home early. Yeah, so it was a 7-4 win for 7th-seeded Fort Defiance over 2nd-seeded TA in the Region 3C baseball quarterfinals. Cody, what was your kind of take of of what happened? Well, I just think that that Fort team is a team that hasn't really played to its full potential all year. Um, you know, throughout the season they dealt with injuries. They had some some guys, some big real key guys that were hurt. And, they, and they're a relatively young team as well. But I thought that they kind of had the, the pieces talent-wise that when they put it together they could they could make a run throughout the district. And, and it never worked out in the district play. And then throughout the tournament um, I thought they had a, a chance and they ended up winning the consolation game. And so then to come out there last Thursday, I mean, you know, T.A., I thought maybe T.A. would have came out a little stronger after the district championship loss, but I just wonder if maybe that loss kind of just lingered and then Fort, you know, maybe it's just playing right at the right time. But it's it, that's huge for them because I mentioned this, I think, last week was – on that side of the bracket, that was that's the side you want to be on. You know, Broadway's got to play a good Fluvanna County team tonight, and that's the team that everybody's been kind of wanting to avoid. And I think Fort is set up now where they could possibly get another win, and that, and that all of a sudden then they're into the state tournament, which is something that you know nobody would have been talking about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's really interesting, and that's that's one of the biggest upsets uh, besides the Fort softball team, which we'll we'll get to a little later when we talk softball. But uh, so TA baseball, they finished fifteen and eight overall. No Valley District Tournament title, no state berth. 
what where do you kind of make that of of where the program is at to this point uh, with with a lot of young players? I mean, it's sad. I think where we're, we're, we're maybe people expected it to be at in terms of the youth and the the growing experience of tasting that regular season Valley District title in a in a in ba- which was basically a one game playoff. I mean, they had to beat Broadway to win that regular season title at Broadway. They went to Broadway and they beat Broadway. Uh, and I think it's where we maybe expected it to be. I think when we were talking about watch out, you know, they're still there maybe three or four pods ago. I mean, it's just, it's just because they're TA. And then they're, you know, like we said, you know, it wouldn't surprise us at all, or at least me, and I, don't think, I think Cody would agree, wouldn't surprise us if they walked out of the Valley District with the regular season championship. I mean, I, I'm a little surprised that maybe winning that regular season championship, they didn't win the tournament. It didn't carry over. It didn't, yeah. didn't carry over. I think that's what surprised me more, but I think that's part of the youth. I mean, you don't know how to jump. You know, you you, you got to strap the saddle on momentum when you're young and, and ride it. And I don't think maybe they know quite how to do that yet. And there's only so much a guy like Andrew, Andrew Armstrong can do. To, to, he can't play. Yeah, exactly, to get him to strap that, that momentum saddle down. And I think, you know, this is a team that, you know, I go back to what we've talked about. I mean, this is going to be a heck of a battle between Turner Ashby and Broadway and Fort Defiance for the, you know, the very, you know, you know, future, the very near future. These teams are going to be battling out with how young they are. And I mean, I think it's where it, I think it's where it's expected. I don't think it's a death knell by any means. Yeah, I think that's you know. If you would have said a couple weeks ago they would have made the regional playoffs and, and they would have lost for a strong game, they wouldn't have been surprised. And then they kind of made that late push and made us starting to think maybe they could get a couple more. But, I mean, they're young. Um, I thought in the Broadway District Championship loss that I was at, you saw them kind of revert to a lot of the old mistakes that they were making throughout some of their early season struggles. And so, I, you know, I wasn't at the Fort game, but it, I would imagine some of that stuff is probably still coming back. And that just all goes back to the inconsistencies that are kind of expected when you have a team that young. And, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, this might be – be a moment where next year we're looking back on this was the moment that they learned from and and you know next year they can make an even stronger push so fort defines they'll play brookville tonight at six and broadway will play at fluvanna uh in the other semifinal so that's what you're looking at what's left in terms of 3c baseball how do you kind of assess the four teams that are left and what what about Fort Defiance maybe gives you a thought that, hey, uh, you know, they, they're on a little bit of a roll. They just knocked off T.A. Uh, maybe they can pull off something something crazy. Well, they've, they've got the I've, – I've always pointed out they've got, you know, a pitcher that is obviously considered one of the best in the state at, at, at his age and at his position. You know, Tristan Shoemaker is committed to UVA already. Uh, so you, you've got to respect that part of it. And then you've got guys like Ryan Cook. They've got they've – got, Strong bats throughout that lineup. Um, you know, when you look at the the, the statistics for the year throughout the, the district, um, they were constantly had some of the top hitters throughout the district. Um, it was consistent one through nine. So I think you just combine a couple of those things. Then you've got some good number two pitchers, some good number three pitchers that are, are solid high school pitchers that can get the job done. Um, I think when you throw in all those things together, and like like we've been talking about, just maybe a momentum thing. You know, they just got a big win and, and obviously a big upset um, and. That's something I don't know when the last time Fort BTA in baseball was, but I know it's probably been a while. So to do that, um, you know, you've got to think that they've got a chance at least going into the next round. Jim, what about what about Broadway? It's a team we've talked about a good bit on this pod. Uh, they're rolling, you know, district title win and then a quarterfinal win in the regional. 
where where you at with Broadway? Yeah, congratulations. Here's your here's your reward. Uh, you got to go over to Fluvanna and play probably one of the best picture, better pitchers in Class Three. You know, I can't think of the kid's name right now. It's it's I'm just, and I'm racking my brain, but I mean, he struck out. 21 Spotswood batters in a 9-0 win in the in the regional quarterfinals on thir- last Thursday. 21 batters in a seven-inning game. He was a walk away from a perfect game. So Broadway's wishing this game was played Saturday. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, exactly. And you know what? He could throw again. I mean, he yeah. could throw Tuesday night over there in Fluvanna. Granted, Broadway's bats. I would never compare Broadway's bats and Spotswood bats. I think Broadway's definitely got the better bats out there. So it might not be 9-0, but it's a tall task. I yeah. mean, they're you know, they're looking they're looking at a pretty they're looking at you know the the wall in the north you know to climb over to get to that state bid. Yeah, I mean if they if they can somehow get a win against Fluvanna, then we got we we are suddenly changing our expectations for where Broadway can go this postseason. I think, you know, if they exactly. if they can beat them, then the door's wide open for a much much deeper run because Levan is con- considered you know one of the favorites for a state title this year. So they they've got a, a very like you said a very tall task and a very challenging a challenging game ahead of them. But um, yeah, I mean. Either way, I think there's no way you don't look at this Broadway season as a success. I mean, if it does come to a close against them, to get to the second round of the regional tournament with as many sophomores as they have and a guy like Bryce Suters and, and Jacob Petersheim leading the way, I mean, you've got to look back on the season and think it was, it was a good year for them. Yeah, no doubt. We'll stick with baseball, but switch regions. We'll go to Region 2B, Page County, where you guys were last night. Are they just going to run away with this thing? How, how, how do you kind of assess where Page County is at and uh, what what lies ahead for the Panthers? Well, I, I never want to say run away after how weird their, their loss was in the district, the, the upset to LeRae. I mean, T.R. Williams gives up one hit and they end up losing that game. So you never know with baseball and stuff like that. But I think when the bats are producing like they, like they were yesterday and, and you know the defense is, isn't making any silly errors behind T.R. and behind those guys – um, it's hard to see them not, you know, winning this region and, and making another run at, at another state title because TR, I mean, is by far probably the best pitcher in the state. And just yesterday, I mean, he he was just they, were, they weren't touching him, and, and it's hard for me to see. And then, and the scary part about that is they've got so many other guys behind him that can come in out of the bullpen and, and pitch well. So you know, I, I think you've got to say they're the favorite right now, and, and they certainly looked the part yesterday. How's the experience factor play with them that they've they've kind of gone through some of this stuff before? Oh, I mean, it plays in big. I mean, you know, T.R. Williams is a freshman, you know, leading that team to, you know, yeah. pitching that team to the state championship. And, I mean, that's that's worth a million dollars right there. And then when you look at – you want to talk about experience, they have probably the most experienced baseball coach in the state, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> in Comer. And, I mean, the guy's got a World Series ring for crying out loud with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, I mean, it's. I think, and I'm not taking anything away from Larray here at all because you know that's a good win for Larray to beat him, no matter how it happened. For Larray to stay in that game and beat him in a Shenandoah District Tournament first round game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's that's a game they shouldn't have lost. And I think when you know in, in Cody's story in, in Tuesday's paper, you know those guys kind of. They used it the right way. They used that loss the right way. You know, I think it was Hilliard said it pissed them off. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they should be pissed off after that loss because they should have won that game. They're a better team. They're a better team. They should have won that game. And that's how you use it. You know, you don't go out there and lay another egg. You go out there and you just, you know, 
you lambaste a, a decent Central team. I mean, Central's not great by any means, oh, yeah. but they're not terrible by any means either. They're that, a solid ball club. That, that game looked like it was going to be a, a five-inning slaughter rule game at one point early. I mean, he, they scored six runs in the first two innings, and, they, I mean, they were just crushing the ball. And Central's pitcher, I can't think of his name, Brandon Davis, I think is what it was. Um, he was he had been having a good year, and, and even their coach after the game talked to me about it. He's like, he's been, he's been our best pitcher all year. He's been our ace. And Paige came out and just rocked it off him. They used a couple of airs um, that Central committed to, to obviously benefit them. But they, they were crushing the ball. TR didn't give up a hit, didn't give up a walk. Uh, he was he only pitched three innings, but he was perfect in those three innings. And then um, the other four, three guys after him gave up two hits. So, I mean, they just had the whole package yesterday. When they put on an all-around performance like that, it's hard for me to see anybody, not only in the region, but the state at that level touching them. Yeah, and – that's what they – I mean, what a response. I mean, for them to come out there and they drop, what, four on them in the first inning? Yeah, four. I mean, and just with, with just stringing together hits, uh, smart base running, very smart base running. And and I don't know, I, this is something maybe to watch the next time you're out there or, or we're out there is I noticed that it's like every other batter, T.R. Williams's hat falls off on, on a pitch. Hmm. It's like, it's, like for every, <laughs> it's like for every four pitches he makes, each fifth pitch his hat comes off. So I don't know if it was something about the heat yesterday or what, but I yeah. thought that was very interesting. That is interesting. I have not noticed that. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, I watch go. it. Watch it. Check it out. Okay, so Page County clearly in a good place baseball-wise. If we switch to softball, what are they looking like softball-wise uh, as they get into Region 2B action as well? Well, I mean, I think it's the same deal. I mean, they lost the Shenandoah District uh, championship game to a, a good Buffalo Gap team uh, who got a late home run from Spradlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they used it to their advantage. Yesterday they came out, they faced Clark County, a team they've played, I think, the past four or five years in the Region 2B, or the past three years since it's been a Region 2B in the mm-hmm. Region 2B opener. You know, they handled them pretty well, 8-1. to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Once again, I think it goes back to they used that loss the right way. I mean, after that game against Buffalo Gap on Thursday, Ellen Knight said, you know, I, you know, there's good wins and there's bad wins. I, I just don't like losing, and you can't. this isn't a good – there's bad losses and good losses. I don't like losing. This isn't a good loss because for all the power they got, and Kate Gordon hit a home run on the – excuse me, yeah, yeah. Maddie Gordon at Page County hit a home run on the same day her sister, the second batter of the game at UCLA Super Regional, hit a home run run on the third pitch he saw uh and they got another home run for and her name's gonna escape me who hit the second home run they, they had some power there but here's the issue you know with people on base men on base they couldn't lay down a bunt three times and and, and ellen knight took great umbrage with that and you know we work on that we got to put the bunts down yeah that's the kind of stuff that'll drive a veteran coach mm-hmm. manager in, in baseball or softball uh nuts any anytime yeah and that's in the games that I've seen them lose or the games I've seen them struggle, that's been their issue is they've left a lot of runners on base. I, when they played at East Rock and East Rock ended up hitting the walk-off to beat them in the regular season, that was what happened. Um, now they get East Rock you know, in the regional semifinals um, Wednesday evening. So, you know, I think now at one point in the year we had four Shannon District teams that we thought were kind of even, and then Wilson kind of fell off late in the year. They, they were so young. Um, now you've got those three Shenandoah District teams in East Rock and Page, and on the other side of that you've got that Madison team that we all know is is really really good. They beat TA once, they they beat Page both times. Um, that's a, they've got two of the best pitchers in the state, and then you've got Buffalo Gap, the team that obviously beat them in the tourna- tournament championship. So I think you've got four really good teams there, and really at this point you can go any any either way with all four of them. Man, that 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 atmosphere is going to be red hot. 
Oh yeah, that's Isaiah's <laughs> Elton and Elton and Shenandoah, all in one little softball field, surrounded by trees. Yeah, and the last time was just such a bizarre game with that walk-off home run, and and you know Page had come back and taken the lead in the seventh, and then Autumn Bailey hits a, a walk-off home run. So it's it's going to be it's definitely going to be a, a rivalry game, um, you know, for a state berth, and that's that'll make it fun. The 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 I wonder how much Jessica McDonaldson not pitching for East Rock's gonna gonna hurt matters there because she is done for the year according right. to you know Ronnie Duvall and uh I mean I don't know if she you know that that might that might make things a little tougher for East Rock to walk out of there with the win yeah that's I, when I when I heard, saw that Ronnie had said that yesterday I mean, that's that's huge for them and we had just talked last week about how how promising she was and how we were looking forward to seeing her next year um you know I'm not sure what the injury is there but for her to be out um, I don't. We she's only pitched. I mean, I think she's pitched every inning but two up until yesterday's playoff game. So that's huge. Um, you've got to wonder, especially when you're going against a lineup like Paige, what's going to happen with that. So it'll be interesting to see how they can respond and who can kind of step up there in that in that instance in the pitching circle for them because you know she's pitched every inning for them this year. So that's tough to replace. In three C softball, Turner Ashby still alive and. Fort Defiance still alive, as, as, as we mentioned. Once again, let's let let's go back. This is all on Cody, who I, I believe it, two it, or three podcasts ago said Fort Defiance was one of those young teams to watch. I, I just got to ask, is that him being a, a objective journalist, no, I'm not or is this him wearing the Indian hat? I think this is him being an objective journalist. <laughs> okay, I, I know. Right. When, when, he's, he, when he's wearing his Indian's hat is when he shows off the giant Fort Defiance tattoo he has on his back. Right, that's next to the Virginia Tech one, right? Yes, yes. No, no, no I, I, mean, I, I mean, seriously, I mean, again, he calls it. I mean, and that's because, and, and I think this goes back to young and dumb. I mean, I'm, I'm not calling Fort Defiance dumb by any means, but... You know, you don't know the number one, the number one, the, the number one regional seed, Brookville. What does this do for the? I mean, this just. Oh, I mean, it doesn't make TA's road any easier by any means. I think what it does is it just kind of opens up Class Three a little bit to almost anyone's game now. Oh, absolutely. I think what's funny is I remember a conversation with Will Crockett, Turner HBAD, after the district championship. We were just talking about some of those first round regional matchups, and at that point, they thought Fort might have got into that seventh seed, and they were going to face him. And they were at, he, he said he was like, "We do not want to face Fort Defiance because they know because that last time Fort played in, in Bridgewater, they played them to a one nothing game." Game. And in my opinion, they've got Fort's got the current the or the younger edition, I guess I should say, of Michaela Sizik in terms of Lillian Barry. She's she's going to be the next big thing in, in the area. Um, you know, she's already considered a Division One prospect, and she's only a freshman. Um, she's been lights out. She was lights out in that game in Bridgewater, and, and she was lights out the other night. And when they beat Brookville, um, you add in all those pieces around her that are they're all just so young, so many freshmen, and put all them together um, to go out to go down there and beat Brookville who was by far the favorite in the region um, yeah it opens things up for everybody else but it also gives them as much of a chance as anybody to also get into the state tournament yeah and, and I mean and I'm sorry I don't think that's a game of a, a number eight seed full of veterans wins I do not I don't you know I think if Ford is senior laden team and they get and they sneak in as a number eight seed I think that game is over within the third inning it just goes back to the you know those those girls they're, they, they're young they don't know that they're supposed to be outmatched they're just out there playing softball they don't. They have no clue what Brookville yep. is, other than oh, they got a number one next to their name in the bracket. They're the bees, and they've won a couple of state championships. I mean, they what you know? No veteran number eight C team wins that game. 
Yeah, and I think that it, a lot of it, too, is a testament to Todd Wood, their coach. And, and I thought one of the, the cooler things was that Todd Wood wins district coach of the year. So often we see, you know, the, the whoever was the winning team, the, their coach often gets the coach of the year. And, but the rest of the coaches around the district recognize the job that he did with, with all those freshmen for him to win district coach of the year. And then to obviously go out there and coach that team to a 3-1 win over Brookville. I mean, that's just really impressive, and, and, and it's a big testament to what he's done. Yeah, so Turner Ashby, though, you look at them, and they'll play Monticello uh, and then await if they should win. They'll play then the winner of Fort Defiance and Liberty in the title game. How, how do you kind of what, – what are, what are Turner Ashby's chances, you think, of getting in that title game and winning it? I think Turner Ashby's got a very good chance getting the title game. I think I think we're looking at a possibility of it being Fort TA again in the, in the regional championship, quite honestly, and, um, you know, I think TA's in the best spot right now. I think they've got a really good chance against a Monticello team that I'm not sure they're quite on their level. Um, I think some weird stuff would have to happen. You know, maybe some runners left on base, some errors or something like that. But if Michaela Sizik's pitching the way she's been pitching and, and you know, TA's doing what they do, I see no no reason why they won't make it back. Before we, we finish our, our prep postseason conversation, got to touch on soccer because the Spotswood Trailblazers on the boys' side in Region 3C – uh, they're alive and well after handling Rockbridge County 3-1 uh, last week. They'll host Fluvanna County tonight, and if they win, they'll meet the Western Albemarle Rustburg uh, winner in the title game. How are the Trailblazers playing? How do you kind of key and then figure out where they are in terms of winning a, winning a regional title? Yeah, I think they're playing well. I mean, they get the win over Williams from the district championship, um, come out the other night, take care of a Rockbridge team. They've already had already played three times before. So, you know, it's it's never easy playing a team that many times, but to come out there and take care of business. Now they play a Fluvanna team that, you know, kind of has kind of backpedaled into the playoffs a little bit. They they only had one win in their last six or seven games in the other regular season. So they kind of come in, you know, maybe not playing their best, and, and Spotswood seems to be playing well. Um, and like we've said before, they've got so much experience. You've got to you've got to think they're they're in good shape. So you know, I think they're they're in good shape to get to that regional championship. And then obviously, if they get to Western Albemarle, then then it's a much bigger challenge. Yeah, and at that point, it doesn't matter though. I mean, right, at that right, point, you know, they're in the you're state. already in the state tournament. And so, I mean, what they're playing for then is just hey, how how far am I going to be traveling for the you know my first state game? And you know, the other two teams we can't forget about here are Harrisburg Boys and Girls Soccer, who tonight Tuesday night are over at Mountain View. They win tonight, they're going to the state tournament as well. A little tougher task on the five side. I mean, in Region Five D. I mean. <laughs> Those kids up in Stafford, where, where Mountain View is located, they're born with soccer balls on their feet already. Uh, and, and so this could be, it's almost like a George Mason kind of thing where, you know, who just ripped East Rock boys apart last night oh. in their regional opener. Yeah, talk about some crazy. Region 2B had some just bizarre soccer scores yesterday. And, and 17, the boys' soccer side. 17 nothing Lee over who? Lee? Over Stra- uh, Ari Lee beat Strasburg 17 nothing. And um, George Mason over East Rock 15 nothing, which. It almost felt like George Mason. George Mason and Lee have been going at it for now about two years oh, on the soccer side. So it felt like George Mason said, "Okay, you, you know." They saw that seventeen nothing score come across around two o'clock, and they went out and played at five and tried to tried to match them, and they came close. That's 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 quite a day of soccer there. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, but uh, you say Harrisonburgs, they, they they're in for tough uh, a tough they're, they're a tough for, challenge. They're in for yeah. tough challenges tonight, and I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them got out of there with a win and one of them earned the state berth. I think for both of them to win, I would be that would be just stunning. And, and I think that, the girls have a little better shot than the boys. 
you know the girls that have played really really well in the, in the towards the end of the year. I think they they seem to be a team that can maybe slow it down a little bit and, and play. But yeah, that's that's tough for both these teams tonight. That was a nice win over Elmarl though Thursday night for for the boys. That was a really nice win over Elmarl. Uh, but I would just you know five is such a you know is such a different animal. And when we're talking to the future. I think when they build that second high school and that slices that population down a little bit to maybe a three or four. Yeah, Harrisburg goes back. I down. think I think Harrisburg's in a. It just, it's just tough. I mean, it's no fault of their own. They're just they're this elephant stuck among these these mice. Yeah. And what are they gonna do? Yes, yeah, and it, it's always kind of hard when you know, especially for the teams like that. Like the Harrisburg boys were you know one of the best teams we covered all year, and then but then you know when you get into that postseason and you're going against those schools, I mean, like it's just a whole different animal. It's like that mid-major that that yeah. they, you know that that, yeah. just, that plays in that plays in a league with a bunch of other mid-majors yeah. and, it's just, it's and then just has tough. to play the big boys outside. I think once you know if they could schedule, I mean they do they do a good job of scheduling over there in terms mm-hmm. of during the regular season. But I think once that second high school is built and they're able to fall back down maybe to the Valley District and maybe the other one would be one or two. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to split it. I don't cover politics or or the education system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be really a boon for that high school, and I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot of these Harrisburg uh, team sports mm-hmm. kind of rise back up because, I mean, they're, it's just tough for them to advance in the postseason. I mean, it's been a consistent theme all year. You look at the football team was eliminated early. The, the bas- Both basketball teams were eliminated early, and both of those were the, arguably the second-best teams in our in our district. So it's just in every sport you see that happen. They have they can have stronger seasons, but then once they get to that postseason, I mean, they may be able to get a win or two, and then it's usually it's usually done after that. Say so Harrisonburg baseball did it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. uh, but that was a magical. Oh, that was that, that was a magical type <laughs> run. It, it, it was. I mean, I remember Phil, uh, the former prep writer, was was come back every night saying, "How'd they pull that yeah, off? How'd they pull that <laughs> off?" Yeah, and I think the only I thought you, when you saw him exposed was in the semifinal game. State semifinal game where they just got you know I mean I'm just I'm being nice when I say they got ripped to shreds I mean it was I mean if you're it lo- happened. if you're losing by twenty in a baseball game I don't think that's you know that that's not hyperbole if I say you ripped to shreds you're ripped to shreds yeah, uh, but I mean I you know you know they'll, they'll be back yeah, I mean, that, that may be a longer conversation we might have to have in the summer when there's nothing else to talk about mm-hmm. besides Bob Weiss and the Harrisonburg Turks <laughs> uh, because the Turks they open up this Friday night after a twenty and twenty two campaign. Uh, last year, lost to Covington in the best of three opening round playoff series in the Valley League. Uh, but they'll reopen up uh, on Friday. Bob Weiss getting ready for his 18th season at the helm. Uh, and I caught up with the Turk skipper. We'll also have a story in the paper uh, later this week on their season that starts. Uh, but caught up with Bob. Uh, talked to him about this year's team. They got a couple of local kids, including Cam Irvine. Uh, former star, uh, who's a former local star at the prep level, uh, who was at Virginia Tech for a short while, is now uh, going to play for the Turks this summer. Uh, also a couple of JMU players uh, as well, including Nick Zona and Harry Brown and Travis Reefsnyder. So uh, some local flair on the Turks. But uh, here's my conversation with Bob Weiss, the Turks skipper, as he gets ready for his 18th season as manager of the team. Bob, another season is is here. What are you most excited about with this year's team? Well, I'm excited with the players that we have. Uh, position players are very, very good. Uh, we have like seven out of the nine that hit over 330, and uh, that's pretty big in college baseball when you're hitting 330, 340. 
Uh, I'm a little disappointed with my pitching right now. Uh, we've lost five, six, seven pitchers, and we're down to ten pitchers, but uh, I have calls into several different places, and these guys are trying to help me. So hopefully we'll get three or four pitchers come in here before the next four or five days. Uh, for, for Turks fans coming back to the ballpark, they'll notice a lot of familiar names. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll see Cam Irvine out there. They'll see some guys you've had over the last couple of years. I know just in talking with you, uh, that's a big deal when you get guys to come back, right? Oh, yeah, it's a great big deal because the kids understand what we do, what we expect. Uh, they know the rules that I have, no tobacco, no bubble gum, no seeds, all that good stuff. They know to be on their best behavior because if they're not, they go home. And it's just the way it is. But uh, it's great to have these kids back because they understand. They know me, I know them, and uh, it's easy to work with them. When, when you think about this season, what are kind of the expectations for, for your team this year? I know you always like to try to win the pennant, but uh, what's the goal this year? Well, the goal is always the pennant with me, but uh, last year we got started off pretty good, and then we lost four or five guys. The last, uh, the last two weeks of the season last year, I lost ten players. And when you do that at the end of the season, you can't replace them because nobody's coming here for a week, ten days to play baseball. And uh, I was a little disappointed in our record last year. We were 20 and 22, and uh, that was one of the worst records I've ever had coaching the Turks. Uh, but the players that were here were good ball players, but we just didn't have enough. And uh, we'd had from 2011 until 2016, we'd had five great years. I mean, we either won the pennant or the championship, and the one year we tied for it, we lost six, I think it was 2016, we tied for the pennant and lost in a playoff game. So, But 17 and 18, uh, we didn't have good years. You know, 500 seasons what we had, which is mediocre. But uh, this year I expect a lot better team and a lot better record, that's for sure. Yeah, it probably helps with, with some of those guys coming back. They know oh, yes. what to expect and, and can help you compete because they have, they have the same goals as you, right? They, they yeah. want to win. Everybody wants to win. That's the bottom line. You need to win. But the main thing, the main thing is protecting the kids and having the kids have a great summer. And when they go back home to their colleges, they sit down with their college coaches, they coach, I had a great summer. Everything was taken care of. We lived in an apartment. The guy gave us food. We rode on a nice bus. Uh, everything was great. Locally, you have you have players that, that some some fans of yours will know. You got some JMU kids, uh, Nick Zona and Reef Snyder. You got two catchers from JMU, uh, and then obviously you got Cam Irvine back. What does it mean to have local kids that want to stay home and, and want to play for you? Well, what it does, it puts people in the stands. You know, it uh, especially if they're having a good year and the scouts are talking to them and all that good stuff. Uh, it's nice to have local kids. I love JMU players. I wish we'd get more every year. Uh, I wish we could get their better pitching, uh, but uh, Coach always sends them up to the Cape or somewhere else. And you can't blame the kids for wanting to get away. I mean, you know, if I'm playing baseball at JMU, I want to go to the Cape. You know, I want to go to the beach. I want to lay out with the girls. And uh, that's, you know, it's understandable. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that. And then, I guess, just looking at the league, what's kind of your expectations as you look across the league? Who do you think is going to be pretty good this year? Well, Charlottesville's always good. They recruit well. Uh, I was talking to the coach, not the coach, but one of the general managers the other night from Charlottesville, and they had lost a bunch of players. And uh, But this time of year, it happens with everybody. Pitching is the key. If you got good pitching, you're going to have a good season. You're going to have a good winning record. 
uh, pitching us 90% of the game. So the Harrisonburg Turks open their season Friday night. Uh, they'll host Charlottesville in a 7.30 p.m. game at Veterans Memorial Park, or home Friday and Saturday, so first two home games of the year. Uh, for Harrisonburg is Bob Weiss, who's prepping for his 18th season at the helm of the Turks, gets ready for another year. It's you know it's finally summer when you get to start talking about Harrison Turks baseballs. I bring in Shane Metlin, our JMU basketball, softball, lacrosse writer. Uh, now, Shane, I, I know you're excited. Valley League, RCBL. I know you love going down to Stanton, Waynesboro. You love seeing Charlottesville. Uh, you love the the county league, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, any baseball summer day, summer evening, it's, it's, it can be a lot worse as far as, you know, how you're going to spend the, your work day. So won't complain too much there. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I, I, I get that, but it, it makes sense. You know, the Tur- Turks are starting up. JMU baseball finished last week when they uh, had an early exit from the CAA tournament. JMU softball, which we're going to talk about right now, they had its season come to an end uh, this past weekend at UCLA in the Super Regionals, six-one uh, loss and a seven-two loss uh, to the Bruins. And, and let's just start with this: the Bruins. That's a team in a different class. That's a national contender, uh, probably from the outset of this season, through the regular season, and going into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you definitely kind of saw that difference between the top-tier NCAA softball teams to the next. Because we, we all know, you know, JMU is a really good team. They've been ranked in that top you know, 15 area for most of the season. They showed they deserve that ranking when they go to Michigan and win that regional. But, yeah, they, they saw a different class of team, you know, getting in there. It wasn't just, you know, there was elite pitching in Michigan between the two teams. It was another level against UCLA because it was, you know, a single mistake kind of just sunk things, you know, uh, when they got going up there. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. That that one mistake kind of unraveled Megan Good in, you know, one of the few moments that, that were low moments uh, for her. We'll, we'll talk about Good's career overall in a bit. Uh, but UCLA, we you know, we talked about it last week. Rachel Garcia, the two-way star hitter, pitcher, their version of Megan Good proved why she was both the Pac-12 Player of the Year and Pitcher of the Year uh, in that regional. So JMU, they finish... 51 and 10 overall. Uh, they ran through the CAA also in, in tw- 20 and 1 in league play before dominating that conference tournament a couple of weeks ago uh, in Harrisonburg. They were the only unseeded team to advance through the regional. Uh, they were just bested, I guess, by by a better team. How would you kind of look back at this this season under Lauren Laporte, who has done a fine job in her two seasons at the helm? I mean. You gotta look back at it as you know a great success. You know her her two seasons really. I mean she showed she could win the CAA without Megan Good, which was you know kind of an unexpected thing that they had to turn around and deal with in her first year. Um, you know she got left into a good situation, no doubt. But y- you've seen coaches take over programs like that before, and you know it doesn't go quite as smoothly as it has the past two years and. You look at what they have coming back for next year, and you know it's always going to be kind of a bittersweet thing to lose a player of Megan Good's caliber. But you tell any coach that you have 
almost the entire roster of a team that dominated their conference last year and a two-time conference player of the year coming back. They probably like where they stand for going into the next season. Yeah, I know you had a story on it in today's paper about what JMU uh, brings back for the 20 what 20 season where we're yes. 2019 yeah. that'd be the 2020 season my gosh uh <laughs> kate gordon kirsten road cap odyssey alexander how do you how do you kind of assess just what they have back it's it's everybody but megan good as you said yeah i mean that's it you know um it'll be fairly similar to the 2018 team where you know megan sat out um you know odyssey alexander kind of proved herself to be you know, right up there as a pitcher. And, you know, her offensive numbers are obviously good enough. And, you know, she did well enough that they gave her the CAA Player of the Year and gave uh, Megan the uh, Pitcher of the Year. I think maybe that was kind of like, uh, you know, sitting down and saying, well, how do we give these people both awards they're deserving of and, you know, made it work out that way. But, you know, yeah, they've got another ace coming back, and Peyton Burrish has been – you know, a really solid pitcher in this program for a couple of years now. <clears throat> Didn't get as many innings this year with Megan Good coming back, but you'll see whether or not she kind of takes that next step to make it so there's not the kind of drop-off there might be, you know, otherwise when you're losing a pitcher of that caliber who's, you know, been doing it for half a decade now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure Burrish, for her, it probably, and, and this is probably, you'll, you'll, you'll talk to her about this, I'm sure, before the season comes next year, and the fact that she had a year to sit and kind of watch Megan Good operate. Uh, that's probably a positive. As, as a freshman, she didn't have that. Uh, she pitched well, but, you know, coming back for her sophomore season, she had the chance to sit and sit back and watch, you know, one of the best players in college softball over the past couple of years. So that's, that's got to be a positive. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of strange the way it worked out that her sophomore year kind of ended up being sort of what everybody expected her freshman year to be. Um, but, yeah, she's also coming in, though, with some experience under her belt. I mean, she pitched in some, you know, tough situations this year, but it was more in a, you know, spot-inning type of deal, especially once the season got started. Um, but, yeah, I mean... To have that experience as a starter, as a reliever coming in, and then, like you said, she got that year to see how, you know, one of the best that there's ever been operates, you know, maybe she can make another jump in production going into next year, and there won't be that much of a drop-off for the team in general. And uh, it, it's interesting, because they have, they have everybody back, uh, just without their, their top player. That season... How many times did ESPN have to tell you James Madison's going to be in that St. Pete Clearwater invitation? I felt like every time I was watching a game, uh, there was a promo for the preseason tournament. So I guess JMU, they'll start their season in similar fashion to what they did this year. Yeah, um, <clears throat> going down there for St. Pete, and you know, there's always, since they start doing that, there's you know a ton of you know top-level competition. It's a little bit different situation than some of the events they play in because it's, you know, one game and then you move on to a different opponent where, you know, they do some of those tournaments and obviously in conference play and you know regular season play they play you know in a series like the baseball team does but you know they do that i don't know exactly where they're going otherwise but they like to go to those places like they went to arizona and played arizona and arizona state and a uh, handful of other really good teams while they were down there and it gets them prepared um you know i think i don't know if i've said this before in here but it, it almost reminds me a little bit of the Gonzaga basketball, the early years when they were kind of establishing themselves as that like 
dominant mid-major, and they know they've got to play that brutal schedule early in the season because, you know, the CAA doesn't necessarily get you ready and it doesn't necessarily build up your strings of schedule and your RPI and things for when you want to, you know, earn those national seeds like they tried to do this year and kind of just barely missed out on. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. That, that's really an interesting point because yeah, they, they played they played some good teams in the non-conference. Maybe some were a little further down than, than in the past. That uh, Maybe they, they would have been a nationally ranked team before and they, they just weren't this past year. Uh, so JMU coming up a little bit short of hosting. Uh, regional, but uh, good season nonetheless for the Dukes. They went on a road, beat Michigan, which was a good team. Uh, finished 51 and 10 overall. As the career of Megan Good comes to an end, I want to talk about just what a tremendous career it was for Megan Good. How, how do you kind of sum up what she's meant to the program, not only in the past, but what it what it means for the future too? Yeah, I mean, obviously the there are other factors, you know, Mickey Dean kind of had things going even before signing Megan, but you can really kind of pinpoint the real meteoric rise of the program to being a national player was when she decided to stay here and play softball. And, you know, I think, you know, from what I'm told, a lot of people thought, well, she's a volleyball player when she was in high school, you know, she dominated that sport and was, you know, a multi-sport athlete at Fort Defiance and, you just look at her. She looks like a volleyball player. You don't see a lot of you know, five eleven pitchers out there with you know, you know, her long legs and it's you know kind of a powerful. People kind of forget that in softball, it's not as much with your arms when you're pitching as maybe in baseball. And like you know, they even say it like, you know, they don't say I've got to rest my arm before the next game. They say I got to rest my legs because that's where a lot of that power comes from. And you kind of see like. You know, the way she was such a jumper in volleyball, you see her kind of been able to translate that into a sport, you know, where, you know, like I said, you just don't see 5'11 pitchers out there very often. That's not what UCLA had. That's not what, you know, Michigan and these teams had. And it's, it's a sort of a, a striking visual thing to see her out there throwing the ball. And, um, you know, maybe that also kind of plays a part in the, the whole legend of the thing, just that it was, you know... She could have been doing something different. She could have been doing it, not staying at home to do it. And all of that kind of plays into just what she means to JMU and especially the softball program. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, the Fort Defiance product, she finished in her JMU career 120-17. and 17. So 103 games above 500 as a pitcher uh, with a 1.03 ERA. 900 strikeouts in 843 and two-thirds innings, 86 complete games. That's pretty unbelievable with 37 shutouts, including four no-hitters. So when you just go through the stats, these are things that may never be done again in James Madison softball history uh, unless Odyssey Alexander quickly becomes, uh, you know, a little bit better and and is Megan good. Uh, She also hit 45 homers and had 188 RBIs to go along with a 351 average. She was a National Player of the Year by Shutt and the NFCA in 2017 and the CA Pitcher of the Year, as Shane mentioned before, uh, this past season, pitcher of the year and player of the year in 2017. Yeah. So just uh, the the accolades, the numbers, unbelievable. The the only four times the A pitcher of the year too, which uh, you know, the only one to do it. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, 
you know, it's never happened before. Good chance it never happens again. You, you, you never know who might come through and what the conference will look like in the future. But, um, yeah, you, you ran through the numbers. They're, they speak for themselves. Anybody who watched her play knows that, you know, she was, you know, a dominant performer, cool as a cucumber out there, but you could still see the competitive fire, even though, you know, it was never, you know, necessarily overly boisterous or anything like that but you know you could you could see the look in her face that yeah she was out there to compete and dominate and for the most part that's what she always did yeah no question about it so the james madison sports year is over that's it no more no more dukes competing this year uh all eyes i guess will turn toward football season but i hate to put you on the spot here when you look back at the 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 year that was 2017 29 or 20 excuse me 2018 2019 uh, you look at the year that was in james madison sports was there a moment was there uh a player or a game that that stands out to you kind of above everything else is is, is the best moment of the year uh best moment of the year i mean i wasn't there but watching the you know back-to-back facing elimination victories against michigan you know that's fresh in everybody's mind that was pretty tough to beat you know Lots of teams had their moments. Um, you know, men's basketball had a rough year, but they go up to Hofstra and knock off the league champions with a, you know, <clears throat> incredible performance from Matt Lewis to kind of I think stoke some optimism for the whole season. Um, memorable in a less uh, positive way was the women's basketball team lost to Hofstra in the uh, first round of the CAA tournament. If they kind of Similarly to the softball team, dominated the conference all year, and then just uh, incredible it's injuries, bad that game. injury luck. Yeah, um, losing, you know, basically the entire backcourt. You know, heading in before that game was a uh, even a minute old, and uh, so that was memorable in a different way. And then you know they turn around and make their run in the uh, WNIT with the victory over Virginia Tech, which anytime. JMU beats Virginia Tech in anything. It's a big deal for the fans here. And Kenny Brooks um, coming back. Yeah, yeah, yeah that too. Um, yeah, there are, there are lots of games. Uh, lacrosse had some, you know, memorable moments. They, you know, dominated the CAA tournament. Again, it wasn't quite, you know, the uh, 2018 run. But, um, yeah, the, the teams that I covered, you know, specifically there, they all had their moments. And, you know, obviously football, other teams did had their things. Yeah, with with football, I think I don't know if it's such a moment or is or I guess kind of call it a saga that played out over that week uh, in in late December or early December, I should say, uh, when Mike Houston was rumored to take the Charlotte job and uh, turn that. Uh, ultimately, you know that wasn't the right choice for him. I uh, was offered that job. Uh, didn't didn't end up going there. Then East Carolina came into the picture after they fired Scotty Montgomery. Meanwhile, James Madison and Houston is trying to get ready to play a game. Uh, Colgate, they lose that game at Colgate, and the next day uh, he's headed to East Carolina to be the next head coach of the Pirates. Uh, so that was kind of memorable. I think that's probably more memorable than anything that happened on the field for James Madison football this past season, uh, I would say. And uh, then they hired Kurt Signetti, and you know it's all looking toward football season. Uh, now and I did want to touch on one football item uh, with with them landing another transfer receiver, bringing in Dylan Spaulding from West Virginia. 
which means his first game with James Madison will come against his old team in the old stadium he used to call home at Milan Pushkar Stadium in Morgantown as the Dukes will open up against the Mountaineers on August 31st. And this, I think, is another depth move. And Spalding's got four years of eligibility left. He's a Virginia native, uh, South County High and Lorton. So I, I just think you, you look at him, and, and he's just another added piece for that offense and Kurt Signetti, especially receiver core uh, that needs some depth. Uh, they added Brandon Polk uh, last week. Uh, from Penn State, and he's only got one year of eligibility left. So uh, they bring in a couple of different receivers that will bring some some different uh, attributes with them to, to the offense. I think that's important for JMU as they get ready. Uh, you know, they, they had their first official workout of the summer uh, today. It was the day after Memorial Day. So they're on to the next season already. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, you got to kind of like that Kirk Signetti, obviously he identified the needs – right away and address them and was able to successfully do that. I know he came in talking about wanting to run the ball, but you still got to have that depth at the uh, wide receiver to, you know, be a balanced and, you know, unpredictable offense. And that, you know, seems to be really addressing that need there, especially with, you know, I guess some uh, uncertainty with the Stapleton situation and things of however that ends up playing itself out and, you know, getting some experience and, like we said last week when we were talking about some of these transfers, it's always a plus when you're getting freshman eligibility with a little bit of experience. You know, somebody's going to be here for four years, but it's been through some of what, you know, uh, some of the rigors of the college game and knows what's ahead of them. And that's Balding had a touchdown catch in West Virginia's spring game last month. Uh, so I, I think he's somebody that's going to come in right away and, and probably play immediately. Uh, transfer receivers have worked out for JMU over the past couple of years. You think back to Terrence Alls, uh, who transferred in from Duke. Uh, I think it was what Mike Houston's first couple of years at the program. Uh, and then they had David Eldridge come in the next season. Uh, so yeah, you had you've had guys that, that have come in transfer wise via receiver position and. Uh, it, it's worked itself out for James Madison. Anything on the basketball front you need to touch on? Um, or is it quiet? quiet? It's, it's a little quiet. I'm expecting um, they'll probably be hiring an assistant coach on the men's side here in the next few days. But uh, until that happens, it's it's been a little bit quiet. You know, they're kind of getting guys back into town and uh, getting ready to do some workouts and things. But, uh, yeah, we might have some more to talk about next week. Okay, that sounds good. We'll do it then. Uh, until next week, uh, you know, big thanks to Jim, Cody, and Shane, as well as uh, Bob Weiss of the Harrisonburg Turks. Remember, the Turks open their season on Friday night against Charlottesville at Veterans Memorial Park, 7.30 first pitch. So until next week, I'm Greg Medea saying thanks for tuning in.